Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Well, well, it is good to be back up here with the opportunity to bring today's message. If you're watching online today, we want to say welcome to you as well. Do us the favor, though, of dropping us a comment in the chat. We would love to hear from you today. I say the same thing, it seems like, when I open up every single message, and that is this. We have got a great church, and I am so grateful. We are blessed, friends, with so many opportunities to do so many awesome things, not just here on Sunday morning, but throughout the week, and also out in our community. We, as a church, have so much to be thankful for. So as a church, let us continue to labor and to pray for new opportunities to be both the hands and the feet of Jesus, not only here in the West Ashley community, but all over Charleston and beyond. So over the past few weeks, our pastor has led us through a series of conversations, conversations that are not only imperative to the rising generations coming behind us, but also for us those of us who are operating and living out our Christian walk today. And Pastor Chris has shared with us the dangers of Christian identity theft. We had a conversation about this necessity of having Christian friendships and how our lives were never meant to be lived alone. That as believers, we were each one of us were created by God uh, to live in community and to worship him alone. And last week, we were led through a conversation about being disciples in a digital age. He shared with us how awesome a tool technology is and how we have so much vast information right there at our fingertips. But he also shared with us last week about the spiritual dangers of having that information, that the danger that it poses to us as believers. And today, we're going to continue in that conversation that we've been having. So some might be wondering, after all of this time, why do we need to continue to have these ongoing conversations? What is the importance, then, of reminding ourselves of things that perhaps we should already know and understand as believers? Well, the short answer is simply this. Friends, we are in a battle. It is a no-holds-bar, knock-down, drag-out fight to the death. It is the kind of fight that takes no prisoners. It shows no mercy, and our enemy will stop at nothing to destroy us physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And we need to be reminded today that not only does this enemy in this fight want to ruin you, but also everyone in your life around you, including your children too. Think about all the troubles that we see in the world today. There's political division, there's racial tension, social unrest, there's fighting amongst nations, there's sickness by way of pandemic, there's substance abuse, there's mental health illnesses, families that seem to be falling apart, families struggling financially, homelessness, hunger, and people out of work, and the battle wages on multiple fronts seemingly all around us. You might be thinking right now, well, way to go, Chris Jones. Thanks for the uplifting words of encouragement. By no means, though, friends, it is my intent to tear you down today. But I think it's important that we realize that we are having this conversation, you and I, simply because all too often, Christians and the church live life denying this simple fact that the war rages on around us and live as if the battle doesn't even exist. 
Believers have this tendency of bubbling themselves in and blocking out all the bad while fighting our best to safeguard our own personal spaces, thinking if we can just keep to ourselves, somehow we'll be okay. Or what's worse, we begin to point our fingers at one another. We accuse one another of the problems that we see in the world around us, disregarding the fact that there is a dark spiritual foe who's causing much of the havoc that we see in the world around us today. It is why this conversation, like the ones we've had over the past few weeks, is absolutely vital. The conversation we're having today is not only vital to you, but also vital for our children and our children's children. We should not only acknowledge the war, friends, but also understand this. The key to fighting and winning in this battle is to hold on to your faith. Perhaps some of you are already thinking, well, Chris, I read my Bible because that's what I've been taught to do. Others might say, I pray to the Lord. I ask him to deal with the calamity that this world has become. Yet others might say, I go to church. I listen intently to everything that is said. I raise my hands in worship, and I try to be a good Christian. These are all great things. But I would like to challenge us today to move maybe a step forward, just one step forward, and to truly understand, to hold on to our faith. Yeah. To truly hold on to our faith. We have to move from this place of the Christian faith being little more than just an idea. We have to move to this place to where it's an, it's an action. You see, faith is not a thought alone, but it is an act of forward progression. Faith, friends, is an act of momentum. And it is one thing for us to think of faith in terms, in, 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 in terms of faith, but it's a completely, totally different ball of wax to set that faith into motion. So if we're going to hold on to our faith, and if we're going to set our faith into motion, we have to do a few things. And the first thing is this, we must prepare to engage in combat. That's right. Friends, we have to prepare to engage in combat. We certainly don't like to think about it, but the reality is this, we have a very unseen enemy. And regretfully, out of sight and out of mind is generally how many Christians tend to live their lives. We don't like to talk about this reality of an enemy. He's never discussed at parties or at get-togethers. Rarely is this enemy discussed on the news or in social media. And the reality is this, we don't hear a whole lot about him in the church either. So how do we as believers, church, tend to how do we engage an enemy, I should say, that we tend to dismiss, shy away from in our conversations, hoping that if somehow if we can just tiptoe around him, we'll somehow remain in the clear. Friends, we have to be awakened today to this fact. Satan is real, and, he, and just because we try to take him and cast him into the recesses of our mind, limiting him to our thoughts only in those fleeting moments, doesn't mean he isn't there. So I'm going to share with you for just a couple of moments a very familiar passage of Scripture, and you've likely heard this passage of Scripture a thousand times. It's coming from 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. Listen to what it says. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering that you are. So here is Peter. We know that he is a disciple 
of Jesus. And he's teaching the church to keep their eyes open. He's teaching the church that this enemy is great, describing him as this hungry lion looking for prey to devour. And the imagery that Peter paints for us as readers today of this passage of scripture is one of complete annihilation. And think about it, when we tend to think of this idea of a roaring lion roaming about in our proximity, we think of running away and getting ourselves out of the clutches of this destructive and powerful beast. We think about hiding and tucking ourselves away, hoping to remain undetected by the lion's predatory hunting instincts and superior senses. We also consider sometimes maintaining this herd mentality. If we can just blend ourselves into the larger world around us, we can then assume that the enemy will perhaps get someone else. And we adopt this idea that better than, than me. And we assume the weaker in the herd, if you will, will fall prey before we do. So in this spiritual battle that each and every one of us faces, we either do one of three things. Our tendency is to run, our tendency is to try to hide, or worse, we try to blend in. But Peter is challenging the church, and by extension, us today, to stand firm against him and to stand strong in our faith. He goes on to say, there is no place for you and I to run. There is no place for us to hide or to blend in. Because as we just read in this passage of scripture, the adversary is on a global campaign to wreck everything and everyone. So friends, we have no other choice but to hold on to our faith and fight. And friends, so often Christians make the fatal mistake of treating our lives like a carefree playground when in reality, it is a bloody battlefield. Listen to what the Bible has to say about Satan. In John chapter 10 and verse 10, it says, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. In John chapter 8 and verse 44, it says, He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And from the message translation, Luke chapter 22 and verse 31, this is Jesus speaking directly to Peter when he says this, Simon, stay on your toes. Satan has tried his best to separate all of you from me like chafe from wheat. And Simon, I have prayed for you in particular that you not give in or give out. This conversation, Coastal, we need to have with ourselves. And it is a conversation that we absolutely must have with those who are coming behind us. This is the kind of conversation that our entire world needs to hear. And it is a call to battle. Friends, as I've already stated, Satan is indeed the real deal. In fact, if you're watching online right now, perhaps in the chat, you can drop it in there. Satan is the real deal. We need to know and we need to understand that Satan is a killer. He wants to wreck you and he wants to wreck your spouse and he wants to wreck your children. He wants to ruin your health. He wants to ruin your career, your home, and your friendships. He wants to separate you completely from the Lord. And he wants to separate you from your legacy and from God's perfect plan for your life. And we may not like it. And we may not actually have the stomach for it. But we've got to resolve in our minds right now, today, that the only recourse that you and I have in this situation is to stand and to fight. So to hold on to our faith, we must prepare to engage in combat. And secondly, we have to do this. We got to lead from the front. 
You may or may not know this, but I served in the army for 20 years. Are there any vets or family members who've lost ones in service to our nation? If you're online today and if you've served or if you've lost someone you love in service to our nation, type in the chat, I served or I have lost. And know this, that we are so grateful for the men and women who have served our nation and especially this weekend for those who have paid the ultimate price for the freedoms that we enjoy in this country today. So as for me, 20 years ago is a long time. And over those years, I got to see and do many things. Places, that, places and things that many people don't have the opportunity to do. There are many things that I remember during those serving years. But there is this one thing that has stood with me after all this time. In fact, this year will mark the 10-year anniversary for me retiring from the Army. But that one thing, friends, has stayed with me after all that time. And it is this, lead from the front. You see, the army ingrained in me very early on, and especially as I moved into these positions of leadership throughout my career, that this idea was simply this. If you want to lead others in doing what is right, you have to first be doing it yourself. And some of the greatest leaders that I've had encountered over that period of time were the ones who would serve and get dirty right along with the rest of us. They are often the first ones on the battlefield and the last ones to step off. They do what it's right day in and day out, and they set the example for others to follow. I share all that to tell you this, friends. If we want those in our family, like our kids, or those who are our coworkers on our jobs, or those in our community to hold on to their faith, we have to first be doing it ourselves. We can talk about holding on to our faith, but if we are not demonstrating it in ourselves, we aren't leading from the front. And if we aren't leading from the front, setting the example, demonstrating what right looks like, we're only leading people astray. And it's one of the reasons the enemy has wreaked havoc across all areas of society. Because we as believers have this tendency to adopt a do-as-I-say approach of leadership versus the do-as-I'm-doing approach. Think about it. We tell our kids church is important, except on the days when we opt out for a day on the boat or out at the beach. We tell our kids praying is important, but it's been weeks or maybe even months since we've taken the time to pray with them. You see, friends, in order for us to wage war against an enemy who wants to destroy our families, we have to lead from the front. So not only do we have to acknowledge a very real and dangerous enemy, not only do we have to lead from the front, but we have to utilize the weapons of warfare that, have been, that has been provided to us. And so we're just going to spend a couple of few, a few moments here discussing those weapons of warfare as described by the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians. But before we do that, Paul understood a few things about engaging in warfare. Paul certainly understood the threats of Satan. And he certainly understood the idea of leading from the front. Listen to what the Bible says about the Apostle Paul. Five times he had received 39 lashes each from his fellow Jews. Three times he had been beaten with rods. He had been stoned and then shipwrecked three times. Robbers, Jews, and Gentiles alike had sought to harm him. He had gone without sleep, without food, and without water, faced situations where he was both cold and naked, and even at times was locked away in prison. 
Paul understood and was well acquainted with what we are talking about today. So I'm going to read a little bit from Ephesians chapter 6, beginning verse 10. It says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the enemy's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth, buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted, with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit, which is the word of God. It goes without saying that this particular passage of scripture, we could preach an entire sermon series on it. But if we want to lead from the front, if we want to set the example, not only for our kids, but for others in the world around us, to wage effective spiritual warfare the devil, against the devil and his schemes, we must first armor up. Not just on Sunday as we're doing here today, but we must armor up every single day. Notice here how the Apostle Paul reminds us that we cannot wage effective warfare with only some of the armor or with no armor at all. But that is essentially what so many believers do. So often we attempt to wage effective warfare under our own strength. We make the mistake of not understanding the Lord has given us both the tools of offense as well as those of defense. And the result? Well, I think we already know. The enemy absolutely slaughters us emotionally and spiritually. And if we attempt to fight the enemy in our own strength, you and I, we will lose. And it is a tragic loss indeed. But it's even more tragic when we are called by God to lead from the front, lead our families, to lead as Christians in our workplaces and community, and they too are getting hammered by Satan every single day. Simply because we, the church, are choosing not to fight and lead from the front. Let me share something personal with you. Many of you might know this, but I have two daughters, and they're both in their mid-20s. Both of them are beautiful, they are educated, intelligent, and believing young women. And as a dad, I'm incredibly proud of them both, and I love them dearly. But as a parent, there are so many things I wish I could go back in time and do over again. A do-over for dad. And one thing really stands out to me amongst all those things I wish I could have done better. I wish I would have been wiser. You see, our kids don't model the words we say. They model the things we do. And truth be told, I see so much of what I've done in them today as adults. The model, they model exactly what I model to them as children. And my biggest regret to them was not leading from the front and how to wage effective spiritual warfare, how to fully trust in Jesus and in his plan for their lives, and not to fight those battles in their own strength. I wish I had taught them how to fight, how to put on their armor, to recognize that this very real adversary was out to destroy them, not there in the moment in which they find themselves in, but for their, their entire eternity. I wish I had taught them better how to hold on to their faith I wish I had done a better job of leading them from the front. 
Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6. It says this, direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. I share my personal parenting failures with you in hopes that you will not make the same mistakes I made. You see, as I stated a few moments ago, our kids are going to do what we do and not just what we say. And if we aren't teaching our kids at home about a very real enemy, if we aren't having these very real conversations, and if we aren't modeling to them what daily offensive, spiritual, uh, offense and defensive battle looks like, they won't know how to do it either. Resulting in them, friends, becoming casualties of war as they are wounded by a deadly enemy that they cannot see and they haven't been trained to fight. Friends, if we want to hold on to our faith, and if we want the successive generations to hold on to their faith, then we must recognize ourselves and teach others that are around us that we are in a bloody fight and that there is an enemy who wants to train wreck us and everyone we love. So we've already talked about, we must prepare to engage in combat. We must lead from the front. And then there's this. If we want to hold on to our faith, we must love and serve other people. I have no doubt that some are listening to this message right now and are thinking every time they put a mic in Chris Jones's hand, he starts talking about serving, talking about some new serving opportunity, asking for our time and oftentimes having both hands in our pockets, asking for us to give towards this new serving opportunity. And you would be absolutely right because I have zero shame in doing so. Let me tell you why. Because day after day, and week after week, and month after month, I encounter the casualties of this battle that I talk about. There's the woman at the Suburban whose teeth are rotting away, fidgeting out of control after several days of meth binging, and she's wandering around the Suburban Hotel parking lot looking for her next high. And then there's another woman at, at the North Charleston tailgate who was homeless and was raped and beaten so badly the night before that her teeth have been knocked out and both of her eyes are blackened. And then we've got disabled veterans having faithfully served our nation, injured and disabled because of their service, and then given a, a peanut stipend for the sacrifice that at best allows them to live in a dump known as a suburban, only to be eventually cast out into the streets and told to fend for themselves. And then countless children right here in our own backyard who are abused and neglected every single day. So all we have to do is take a simple trip over to our ministry partner, Low Country Orphan Relief, and you'll find shelves that are six feet high and 30 feet across, filled with laundry bags that have donations of clothing, hygiene kits, books, school supplies. And there are no less than 50 to 60 bags on these shelves at any given time. And each one of those bags represents a child right here in the Charleston area who is facing abuse and neglect. And then we've got neighbors right here in West Ashley who are fighting tooth and nail to keep their kids off the street, away from drugs, and out of the gangs to try to get their kids to a point to where they can receive a good, a good education right here down the street at the Ardmore Fir, uh, Sherwood Forest neighborhood, just a few miles from our church. This is exactly, friends, why you hear me going on and on about it. 
It's why it's in every single sermon that you hear me preach. You see, the enemy is on, he's on task and he's destroying everyone and everything. And believe you me, I am so over us playing defense and being reactive versus proactive. Some have said, Coastal's doing all it can. We just can't do any more outreach because we just don't have the volunteers. In fact, I've even said that myself. Others have said, Chris, at this point, all we can do is pray. But I want everyone to hear what Jesus has to say about it. In Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, it says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Bible then goes on to say in 1 John 3 and 18, Dear children, let us not merely say we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. And then the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4 says, Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. And then lastly, in Deuteronomy chapter 15 and verse 11, it says, There will always be some in the land who are poor. This is why I'm commanding you to share freely with the poor and with the other Israelites in need. We can literally spend the rest of the day and go verse by verse reading and hearing the command from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ commanding us to love and to serve others. But if we want to hold on to our faith so that faith can be passed on to the subsequent generations, we and I have got to model loving and serving people. Loving and serving others is a must-have conversation. Because if we are not modeling, loving, and serving, if it's not a priority to us in this generation, it won't be a priority in the later years for our children or for our children's children. It's got to be a priority. As Pastor Chris shared in the announcements a few moments ago, Tuesday begins Summer of Impact. I like to call it the Super Bowl of Outreach here at Coastal. There are 34 opportunities beginning next week on Tuesday. Most of them are family-friendly, all of them are well organized. All you have to do is sign up and show up and almost all of those projects are no more than two to three hours of your time. To serve and love others is arguably one of the most effective ways you and I can engage in spiritual battle. It is a great opportunity for us as a church to stand and actually undo what the enemy has done. An opportunity to show to the world the love of Jesus. An opportunity to bring hope in some of these dark places of despair. And I grieve, friends. I genuinely grieve because we've got opportunities and projects in June in which we don't have any soldiers showing up to fight. Projects that potentially won't happen because our church hasn't signed up to go. And listen to this. When we, the church, choose not to show up, Satan wins and people lose. So before you leave church today, don't wait till later today. Don't wait till later next week. Before you leave church today, before you leave the service, sign up and get in the fight. Coastal, it is time for us to resolve in our minds right now that it is time for us to take back what the enemy has stolen from us. It is time for us to leave the safety of the walls of this church. It is time for you and I to begin the process of unraveling Satan's web of destruction. It is time for us to stand and fight and to hold on to our faith. And if we are bloodied by it, so be it. If we are wounded by it, so be it. 
the most effective way to engage in spiritual battle is for us as a church to move from this posture of defense to a posture of aggressive offense with Jesus, our Lord and Savior, leading the way as we as a church take the fight to the enemy. It's time for us to remind Satan, you and I, that he can no longer have our wives or our husband. It's time to remind Satan he can no longer have our children or our grandchildren. He cannot have our homes or our community. It's time to remind Satan right now today that he cannot have our pastor, nor can he have our church. He is done taking from us, Coastal. It's time to put our enemy on notice. Because as a people and as a church, we are resolving today that we are going to fight. We will have the hard conversations with our children. We will model for them what it means to fight and what it means to walk with Jesus. The Bible teaches us, if God be for us, who can stand against us? God's word says that we are heirs with Christ. And because of the work of Jesus on the cross, we have already received the victory. So friends, hold on to your faith. Be prepared and even willing to engage in combat. And always remember the rising generations are watching and learning. So lead from the front, showing others the way to Jesus. And wage effective battle by loving and serving the Lord, but also the people around us in our community. In Jesus' name. Can we pray? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. Father, we recognize and acknowledge, Lord, that we have a very real enemy in our midst. And that enemy, Lord, seeks to tear down us. It seeks to destroy our families, our children, and our children's children. We see the agony of people in our community. We see the struggling right here in our church. And Lord, so we ask, Father, Lord, to help us, Lord, with the strength that we need, Father, with the courage that we need to stand up and fight and hold on to our faith. Help us, Lord, to have those hard conversations, Lord, that we need to have, Lord, with our children. Help us, Lord, to lead from the front, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be and to do, Lord, all you have called us to be and do. And let not, Lord, no longer the enemy tear us down as individuals, tear us down as families, tear us down as a church. Now I have no doubt that in order to wage effective spiritual battle first, the most important thing is you must have a relationship with Jesus. And perhaps there may be some here in the room or those watching online who do not know you, who do not know the Lord. And so I would just ask that you would pray something, something like this. Father, I'm battle weary. I've been fighting with every ounce of strength that I have and I continue to suffer loss. I'm done trying my own way. I'm done doing things the way the world does things. Help me, Lord, to trust you, Father, to equip me, to strengthen me, that, Lord, you would help me to fight those battles for me. Father, we simply pray that we would receive your gift of salvation that we would turn away from our sins and that, Lord, you would come into our lives, Lord, and undo all that the enemy has done. Lord, bless this church family. Lord, we pray for summer of impact. 
We pray for all the ministries of our church, Lord, as we wage effective war against an enemy. May he no longer, Father, we pray. We pray in agreement today that the enemy would no longer have a stronghold. He would no longer even have a foothold. He would, uh, he would know that Coastal Community Church is simply not an option for him. And we thank you, Lord, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.